Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin. I'm on the phone with Brian. And this week, we're going to be reviewing the 2017 American horror film, Get Out, written and directed by Jordan Peele, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Allison Williams, and Bradley Whitford. This movie is about a young black man who uncovers a disturbing secret when he goes to meet his girlfriend's family. Uh, And we chose this one because we're really excited about Us coming out, uh, which is hitting theaters in around mid-March. Right, Brian? Yeah, March 22nd. I think that'll be in two days from when this episode comes out. Awesome. And I'm psyched. I mean, have you seen some of the early trailers for it? I, I haven't watched the trailer. Ah, uh, oh yeah, you're you know one of those. How I feel about that. <laughs> so, anytime uh, for for any movie, even like new movies coming out, you never like watch the trailer ahead of time. Almost never. I mean, if I'm in the theater, I'm not gonna close my eyes, but <laughs> I don't seek them out at all. Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny if you're in theaters and like you refuse to watch <laughs> the like, trailers. La, 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 la. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I I like the trailers because I feel like they're a work of art on their own. Uh, like they're the director, like the production company coming up with some way to condense like this art that they've put together. It's like a two or three minute, um, you know, montage with, with like, you know, music and, uh, you know, dramatic effects and stuff. So I, I was yeah, kind of viewed as part of it. Yeah. Sometimes I watch them after I watch the movie. Yeah. That, that's always fun too, to see how they boiled it down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to watch this again. Uh, just it, it amped me up even more for us. I mean, I, I forgot kind of like how, Great of a movie this was. So you saw this uh, in theaters, right? I did, yep. I think and this is probably the fourth time I saw it. Oh, wow. You've already seen it multiple times. Man, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I love it. First three times we're all in theaters or you saw it? Uh, no, I think I only saw it once in theaters. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for me, this was only my second, but I, I kind of felt like it, it got better. Uh, d- does it keep getting better as, as you've been watching it? I have yet to have a viewing where I didn't find something new about it. Yeah. Like a new, not only just like a new thing I liked, but a new clue that was hidden or some sort of illusion or reference that I didn't pick up on before. Yeah. That's kind of what was hitting on on me this time as well. Uh, Because, yeah, I mean, for for people who uh, may may have not seen this yet, uh, this movie's got a big twist in it. And I I think that was part of the hype uh, when it came out. And, yeah, when you know it and then you watch it, it, yeah, you kind of pick up on the things like a lot earlier on or like little hints that were dropped in the first half that come to play yeah. in the second half. For sure. And I don't want to discourage anyone from listening to this episode, but if you haven't seen Get Out, I think you should just stop right now and go watch it. <laughs> Hang up the phone. <laughs> Get- and, and, yeah. <laughs> and if you're not into scary movies, I think that you can handle this one. Yeah. Well, you know, th- that's something that surprised me. Like, I feel like the first time I saw this, it didn't hit me like too hard as like a very scary movie and I saw it in theaters but kind of on repeat watches like the second time I almost thought it was even scarier because you kind of know what's coming um I, I don't know if you had a similar reaction to it yeah um yeah I think maybe I did and a lot of people there's been a bit of debate like is this a horror movie or is this a thriller but yeah uh, I think it's a horror movie yeah I, I kind of agree I mean it, it follows on uh, a lot of very similar horror movies that uh, use similar themes, um, like kind of, uh, yeah, the, the whole concept we'll talk about later, I'm sure. But it, it's not like a something uh, at, at, at the horror, the horror part of it, I feel like has been done in the genre. It's just applied to like a different uh, landscape on this one, I guess. Yeah. 
Um, so this movie was obviously a huge success. I feel like it, it was, it, you know, hyped up a lot. It came out. Uh, I, I know in Chicago, like uh, Chance the Rapper had rented out a number of theaters and like was, you know, telling everyone you got to go see this. Uh, so yeah, he like bought all the tickets. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really try to get everyone in, in the theaters to watch this. Um, a four point five million dollar budget made two hundred fifty five million ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so that I mean that's as that's pretty good as like horror movies go, isn't it? Yeah, it's incredible. Um, it was the tenth most profitable movie of twenty seventeen. Wow, that's crazy. But I think from what I saw, it looked like Annabelle Creation and It then surpassed it um oh and we're in that top 10 most profitable movies of 2017 so that was a big year for <laughs> horror yeah the yeah. box office i'm surprised i mean i could I see that with it but I, I didn't realize that many people went out to see uh annabelle that would have been the sequel right uh i think so yeah there's an annabelle before that right yeah i think for so. sure yeah yeah, I mean, I mean, Get Out was definitely talked about. Surprisingly, it didn't make it into the Oscars, which I think it kind of deserved to be in there. I, mean, I was surprised I didn't get any nominations for that. Wait for Oscars? Yeah, for the for the Oscars. It, which oh, oh it got nominated. Oh, it did, buddy. It got Shoot. nominated for let's see here, four Oscar nominations: Best oh. Picture, Best Director. Daniel Kaluuya got nominated for Best Actor, and Jordan Peele won Best Screenplay. Are you kidding? Yeah. Ah oh, man, I thought I read something saying that it didn't get uh, nominated for the Oscars, and uh, there was like this huge kind of controversy about like why it wasn't, and people kind of overlooking the horror genre. But shoot, all right, well that's good. Thanks, thanks for catching that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a big one. Yeah, that, that's a much better ending than the one I had. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there there are alternate endings. Um, yeah. By the way, that made Jordan Peele the first black screenwriter to win Best Screenplay at the Oscars ever. Oh, this does sound familiar now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and he hit some other kind of records like that. He was the first black writer-director to domestically gross $100 million with his debut movie. Wow, Okay. What else? Get Out is the highest grossing debut film based on an original screenplay in Hollywood history. Mm-hmm. Wow. Something oh, broke a lot of records. Other... Yeah. And there's only six horror movies ever nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. The wow. Exorcist in 74, Jaws in 76, Silence of the Lambs in 91, The Sixth Sense in 2000, yeah. Black Swan in 2011, and then Get Out in 2017. Yeah. I can, I can see it. It kind of deserves that. Yeah. So and yeah. uh, if you ask me, I think Betty Gabriel, the actress who played Georgina, should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, which one was uh, Georgina? The housemaid? She was the the one with the tears scene. Oh, God, yeah. Such an iconic scene. That was, mm-hmm. that was uh, yeah. And throughout the whole movie, I feel like she delivers like a great controlled, but like, uh, yeah, you can, you can tell like the, all the layers under her throughout the movie. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty yep. impressive. For sure. Yeah. All right. So yeah, pretty pretty successful movie. Broke a lot of records. A lot of Oscar nominations there. So that, that that's awesome. Um, and yeah, I, I think you know what was kind of groundbreaking about this one, which I think drove a lot of people to talk about it, was obviously kind of like using the horror landscape to examine uh, like the real kind of racial tensions that are in our society. Which I I don't think I've seen another horror movie do this before. I, any come to mind for you? I mean, there's horror movies with social commentary, like uh, They Live is an example. Yeah. But 
I don't think I've seen one that really um, had so much to say about race as this one. Yeah. And, and I think we've talked about this in the past that like horror is like this interesting genre that people can use to talk about like family issues. And then, yeah, like movies like They Live and like maybe Dawn of the Dead end up being like sh- social commentaries on, you know, society and uh, human behavior. But yeah, sure. to, to like use it to like tackle race or like even, you know, we watched Revenge a few weeks ago and that like had uh, some really like strong points around, uh, you know, women empowerment and, and, and topics that are, you know, pretty relevant today. So, but, but yeah, to tackle race in this movie and the way he did it, I mean, I, I think that's pretty groundbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Just like the uh, the number of things he did with the screenplay and with his direction, like there's just so many levels to this movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and it's impressive because Jordan Peele, this is his first uh, debut film, right? Yep, yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, and he's coming from a, a comedy background. And, I, you know, I, I think I saw and I agree with this. He was kind of saying, like, horror and comedy go hand in hand. A lot of it's around, like, the timing and the pacing of it. And, and this movie, I think, does a really good job throughout kind of balancing, um, you know, the comedy and the tension. Uh, and and that, that kind of set, sets you up for, like, what happens in it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I love the comic relief. Um, yeah. Oh, and by the way, I think that this was Jordan Peele's directorial debut. I think he may have written um, Keanu. Oh. He had the... some kind of big involvement with Keanu, and, sh- and aside from starring in it, now I can't remember. Is that the one about the police dog? I have no idea what it's about, to be honest with you. Uh, I just okay. know both him and uh, Key are in it, Keegan-Michael yeah. Key. Have you have you ever watched uh, the show, the the Peel and Key show? Key and Peel. I haven't. Peel. I, I've seen a couple of skits on online, but I yeah. haven't actually like sat down and watched the show. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, I've I've seen a few skits and they're generally pretty good. Yeah, uh, I, I like their sense of humor. But yeah, I mean, I, that's a crazy jump from like doing uh, that kind of humor to you know something so uh, horrific. Yeah, and I love the humor in this one because a good chunk of it, I mean, there's humor throughout, but a good chunk of the comic relief comes from his friend Rod, played by Lil Rel Howery. Yeah. And I feel like Rod's role is kind of like the audience in every horror movie. Like <laughs> oh, <a> yeah. <laughs> don't go in there, or like, what are yeah. you thinking? Yeah, it's really cool to like give the audience that voice in the film. You don't see yeah, that yeah, often. Yeah, kind of relieve some of the tension in a, in a good way. Yeah. It's like an outlet for the tension rather than like deflating the tension. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and yeah, and the cast in this movie, I, I feel like, uh, are, are pretty like top actors. We've got like top of the game. Uh, Daniel Kalayu, he's been in, um, or Kaluuya, he's been in Black Panther. Um, I saw him in like, uh, what was that movie? Uh, the Widows. Widows? Yeah, he was in that one. Yeah. Um, Allison Williams is from Girls. I mean, these people Catherine like. Catherine Keener. Right. Uh, f- 50-year-old version? 40-year-old version. <laughs> yeah, and being John Malkovich and Capote. Oh yeah, and she's uh, an Academy Award nominated actress. I think for both of those movies I just mentioned. Right. Yeah, yeah. They they had a pretty great cast in this one. Um, yeah, for sure. Pretty pretty impressive. Uh, and yeah, uh, I I I realized I didn't realize uh, this before, but apparently there were two endings. There was one that was kind of way darker, uh, and maybe more realistic. And then there's the ending, which I think is in this movie, which is more of kind of an upbeat one. Did, did you read about that? I did. I think there might be even as many as three, if not more. Oh, wow. We can talk more about that when we get to the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
the music I thought was pretty well done throughout. I, I, I know they use like some childish Gambino, but there was like some original music as well. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I, it, it kind of, it was minimal, but I, I think when it was used, it was, it was done really well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But the, I feel like at the very start of the movie, there are three songs played back to back that are all just incredible choices. Yeah. Yeah, the beginning is like a great playlist for sure. Yeah, like or the first one's just like this creepy song from the 1930s that's used in the uh, like creepy hook, like the opening of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And then that really badass Childish Gambino song, and then there's a, I think it's a Swahili song after yeah. that that's just perfect for the movie. Yeah, yep. Yeah, they did, they did some really cool stuff with the soundtrack on this one. Um, yeah, yeah and, and I think the story was uh, some producer just kind of ran into... Jordan Peele and he like pitched the script to them and that was the, the guy's like yeah I'll, I'll, I'll fund this and you gotta write it and then he, he wrote it like a month or two later right yeah he I think the guy like bought the idea from him and paid him to write it yeah yeah so that, that, that's so, pretty pretty awesome yeah yeah kind of a unique situation there yeah uh so yeah any, anything else uh or any connection to our state of Ohio you know, as usual, I've got an extremely tenuous and tangential Ohio connection, but I'm going to save it for later because it would be a oh. a huge spoiler. <laughs> and I know most people have seen the movie who are listening, but I'll just yeah. save it. All right. <laughs> That's, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this one's pretty top secret. Ooh, Allison Williams is Brian Williams' daughter, the NBC what? news anchor. Oh, I thought Brian, not Brian Wilson from uh, the Beach Boys. Beach Boys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Brian Williams, NBC News anchor. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, that was Brian Wilson, right? Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Good yeah. deal. Other All right. than that, I'm, I'm good to keep going. Let's go. Awesome. All right, well, yeah, let's take a quick break, and then we'll jump into the plot and the spoilers and our review of Get Out. Um, Brian, I'm going to go take a quick sip of coffee before we uh, get back here, so let's take a quick break. All right, good. Yeah, you need to... Uh Get focused and remember what's been nominated for Oscars. <laughs> Seriously. All right. I'll be right back. All right. All right. All right, Brian, I'm back. Cool, cool. You good? Uh, it was weird. I went to drink my coffee, but it kind of just made me want to throw up suddenly. It's like I couldn't drink it anymore. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what happened. Um, I know I sat down to talk to my wife like an hour ago, and I didn't. I kind of blacked out, and I don't remember what we talked about. I'm wondering if maybe hmm. she hypnotized me. Was she clinking a spoon at all? Yeah, she was sitting there with a cup of tea, now that you mentioned that. Yeah, you know what I didn't realize until researching this was that uh, <clears throat> I think there was some symbolism there, and that she was using a silver spoon to hypnotize. Uh, oh, Chris, and the silver spoons, you know, kind of synonymous yeah. with privilege. I feel like throughout the movie, they they do a good job of like contrasting, like yeah, the the, the privilege or like the the and, and like the the main characters in this one are kind of like your elites, liberal kind of uh, white society. And yeah. then you have Daniel Kaluuya's character, Chris, who's kind of like contrasted against that, right? Yep. All right. So the movie opens with a scene of a young black man walking down the street late at night in a neighborhood and a car pulls up and kind of follows him. He gets spooked out. And then the next thing you know, someone's jumped out and like 
put a mask over him and abducted him and thrown him into the trunk of a car and taken off. All of this set to the background. Do you know what song that was? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, it was a good one. It was like kind of that 50s happy song or something. Yeah, it was something I had never heard before. It was like so like sugary happy that it ended up being creepy. Yeah, yeah. So it was like completely opposite to what was going on. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought this was a really powerful scene because like we've seen this scene so many times in other horror films, like a girl walking down the street and someone comes up uh, or, or like someone's following her and she's nervous about it. And But, but this is like such a more like kind of real life like issue that's, uh, you know, have, having a, a black man walking down the streets and then, uh, you know, it's someone kind of like targeting them and like, you know, coming down on them. And that, that's just kind of a real thing given like things that are going on today. So it's interesting how, how when you change like the context of it, it becomes like a very realistic thing. For sure. Yeah. I think Jordan Peele has mentioned that that's intentional and so many movies like even Halloween kind of open up with like white suburbia where everything's always okay and no one's worried about anything. It's supposed to be safe. Yeah. But the script is a little bit flipped because he's, he's tense from the get go because he's in white suburbia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, so it's a pretty cool, like right on the nose there to start off with. Um, so then, uh, we're introduced to this young couple, Chris and Rose, uh, Chris is a black man and he's going to meet Rose's, uh, white family for the first time. So he's understandably nervous. They're leaving town. They've left their adorable puppy with Chris's friend, Rod, who's like the hilarious TSA agent that, as Brian mentioned, ends up giving voice to kind of like the, the audience. Um, they get to the family's house, which is kind of secluded, uh, and the parents are kind of, you know, what you'd expect these, you know, upper class, pretty wealthy, hospitable, but kind of overly, you know, trying to like not be racist in the way that they are kind of coming across as racist. Cause like they'll say things like, oh, we would have voted for Obama if it was his third term, uh, and kind of hitting on like some of those cliche remarks some people would make. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a uh, funny kind of watching that go, but it's also kind of hard to watch sometimes. <laughs> few groans and eye rolls. <laughs> exactly. Some eye rolls. Uh, so then th- there are also two uh, workers at the house. There's a housemaid and a groundskeeper. Both of them are black. And, uh, you know, her father kind of placed that like, oh, I know what you think. But, you know, we kind of inherited them from our parents. And, you know, we're just keeping them here to, you know, g- uh, keep them employed. I think his exact quote, which we'll bookmark, is we hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. Yeah, yeah. There's a Easter egg there. Yeah. And 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 like when he's giving them the house, the tour of the house, he's like shows them the kitchen, and he's like, "Oh, I had to keep him a piece of my mom here." Uh, yep. I think that was also a, a nod to something to come later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love how we're acting like we're the only two people that know what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big surprise, guys. Hold you guys on. just wait. Yeah, your minds are about to get blown. <laughs> uh. So, yeah, you know, it's just kind of interesting uh, off the bat. Uh, th- th- things are kind of awkward. Chris is, you know, Chris, I think, kind of expected this. Uh, his girlfriend, Rose, uh, was, I don't know what she expected. She, she thought it'd be, like, really normal and everything. But obviously, she's she's never been in this situation before, uh, supposedly. So then uh, some weird stuff starts, starts happening. So Chris sees the, that, the, the, the house workers kind of acting weird, I, th- I think, the, the housemaid is, uh, you know, kind of uh, breaking out of character at some point. So, like, just kind of looking at herself in the mirror for a long time. Uh, the groundskeeper one night is just kind of running in circles in this kind of iconic scene that, that we've seen in some of the trailers where he's just, like, running at him in the yard. Uh, I, I thought that's a really cool scene. 
still pretty yeah. scary. That night where he sees uh, the groundskeeper running, he runs into Rose's mother, who's drinking some tea with a silver spoon, as Brian mentioned. Um, and she's actually a psychiatrist, I think. And she invites him to like sit down and ends up hypnotizing him with the cup of tea that she has, which, uh, Brian, has this ever happened to you? Has it ever happened to me? Yeah, have you ever been hypnotized by a cup of tea? Uh, no, I've never been hypnotized of you. Uh, no, but I mean, Orange Pico gets me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a good strong chamomile can send you real one. <laughs> yeah, 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 be careful of this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if this is possible, but somehow she uh, hypnotizes him while he's sitting in the chair, sends him into a place called a sunken place where he like just goes into himself and he's like paralyzed, but he can see what's happening, but he can't do anything. And it's just like a very scary, scary experience. And then he wakes up in his bed the next morning and suddenly he can't smoke anymore. So she's somehow hypnotized him not to smoke anymore, which, you know, he's, he's upset. He feels violated about, but also he, he can't smoke anymore. So, you know, mixed, mixed feelings there. Right. That evening, the family has this party where a bunch of people come over. They're all elderly white people, uh, except for one, which I'll, I'll mention in a second. Uh, they're sizing him up. They're asking him questions, uh, asking to feel his muscles. Uh, they're like, you know, pretty over the top questions about, uh, you know, what, what, uh, how he feels as like a black person in society, etc. Uh, and so he's, he feels like, you know, he's kind of being put on display, I guess. Like that, that part's kind of uh, obvious, right, Brian? Yeah. Yeah, like let's see your golf swing and I think one elderly woman even asks Rose, is it true what they say? Is it better with a black man? Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, he's he's obviously not feeling very comfortable. So but he sees one other black person at this uh party. So he goes up to him and uh just kind of like asking me no way, man, how's it feel? It's, it's nice to see you here. Um he accidentally sets that guy off in, on a seizure, though, when he tries to take a picture of him to send to his uh, friend. Um, and the guy, his nose starts bleeding. He has a seizure. Well, he supposedly has a seizure, but really what happens is his nose starts bleeding and he starts telling, yelling at Chris to like get out of there, get out of there. And I think that's where the title of the movie comes from, right? Yep. Yeah. He screams, get out. Yeah, yeah. So he like kind of has this fit after. And then he looks at the camera and winks at us. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you know <laughs> that's where it came from uh yeah so um so 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 that that, that guy's taken away uh he's brought back out later and it's explained he had a seizure but you know chris doesn't buy it he's like you know people don't have seizures like that that's not what happens people they don't just start yelling things at you like that so him and rose he, he's kind of disturbed so him and rose leave the party uh but meanwhile at the party uh, they kind of start to play bingo, or what looks to be bingo, but it's actually kind of like, uh, it, lo- it looks more like a silent auction, like people are raising their cards, and there's a guy, uh, the father, is kind of orchestrating it at the front, just like holding out his hands to des- designate numbers, and next to him is a picture of Chris. So you're kind of wondering, you know, what's going on here? Is is this actually bingo, or is it an auction? Why is there a picture of Chris on on the podium? So, uh, I, I don't know. Did you, did you kind of figure it out at this part or it's still a pretty big question mark? I mean, you still, even as the first time through, you don't know exactly what's happening. You know, something sinister is happening, happening and they're targeting Chris to do something to him, but you, yeah. you still couldn't really figure it out until you really see the reveal. Exactly. And, and yeah, I remember even the first time I was watching this, I, I'm still like thinking like, you know, I, how much of this 
is uh, is Chris just, you know, is, is he on edge or how much is, is something actually sinister going on here? So the film does a really good job of kind of keeping the audience in limbo as all this is playing out. Yep. But uh, Chris and Rose, they come back from their walk. Uh, and then Chris, you know, texts a picture of that guy from the party to his friend Rod, the TSA agent. And Rod calls him and he's like, yo, that's this guy Dre that we used to hang out with, um, you know, who's gone missing like months ago. And, and then, you know, I, I think the audience kind of realizes that's, that's the person from the beginning. I don't know if I caught that the first time I saw it. Did, did you catch that, Brian? I did not catch it the first time through, no. Yeah, but apparently the, the, this guy's the same guy that we saw in the beginning getting kidnapped. But now he's, like, at this party, and he's, like, dressed really well and talking, and he's with, like, an older white lady. So so Chris knows, like, oh, shoot, you know, something is weird here. This guy's gone missing six months ago. Now he's here. He's, he's, he's looking a lot different, and something's happened to him. So he tells Rose, like, you know, let's get out of here. She's like, okay. Uh, somehow there's a door open and he walks into this little closet in their bedroom and he finds a bunch of pictures of his girlfriend with a bunch of other uh, black guys. And, uh, you know, he recognizes one of them as like the housekeeper. He also sees her with a picture of the housemaid. Uh, and now he's like really suspicious because she had told him that he was like her first, uh, you know, black boyfriend. And now he knows like something is up. Um, which do you think they put that there for him to find? Cause I feel like they kept that door open and it was like kind of calling him there. Hmm. That's a good question. I would guess no, but, uh, but I don't know. I don't know why they would want to, you know, g- give him any tips before like, yeah, send him off any earlier than they yeah. needed to. Yeah. Maybe at a certain point things were ready and they didn't need to be as careful or something. Yeah. Yeah. And we were like, all right, yeah. Time to execute. So, then Chris is like, all right, we got to get out of here. Uh, so they try to leave, but Rose can't find the car keys and the family traps them in the house and the mother in, in the, uh, Rose's brother kind of attacks him. And, uh, you know, before he can, has a chance to fight back, the mother hypnotizes him again with a silver spoon and teacup and he passes out and goes to the sunken place. And now we know that shoot, the family has been kind of plotting something against him and they've now kidnapped him. And so, you know, now we're kind of wondering, you know, like, yeah, what's what's actually going on here? He wakes up, he's like strapped to a chair, and this TV in front of him turns on, and it kind of explains everything. So basically, the family's kidnapped him to do what they've been doing for a while now, which is kidnapping black people, uh, lobotomizing their brains, and through a process called coagula, is that right? Yeah, the coagula, I yeah, think. Yeah, the coagula, taking their brains out. And then putting uh, a white person's brain in there so that that white person who was like old or sick or was going to die can now live the rest of their life inside of like, you know, this healthy young body. And uh, and now he's, his body's going to be used for that. He's going to live the rest of his life in this sunken place. And her dad is a neurosurgeon. We already know that. Yeah, her dad's a neurosurgeon. Mom's a psychiatrist. So they've kind of, uh, you know, they have a, a, a pretty locked in scheme going there where she hypnotizes people and then he does the brain surgery. It's kind of a match yeah. made in heaven. Yep. By the way, Cleveland Clinic is consistently ranked in the top 10 in the nation for neurosurgery. <laughs> Go on. Nice. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> I guess uh, I guess we should look at their practices a little closer. See what's going on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so now he's trapped to this chair. Um, and he's about to get his head cut into and his brain taken out. Uh, but 
he's able to figure out a way to avoid getting hypnotized. He pulls out the threads in the chair and like blocks his ears up so that when the video comes on and the mother is like hitting the teacup, uh, he can't hear it. So he pretends to be hypnotized. The brother comes into the room, unlocks him. He escapes and knocks the brother out. He goes and he kills the father uh, who's like mid-operation. You know, he had already cut open the white guy's brain to take it out. Uh, he goes upstairs, stabs the mother. Uh, the brother kind of wakes up again, tries to kill him again, but uh, he stabs him. He gets out of there, gets in a car, heads out. Uh, the housemaid kind of jumps in front of the car and he knocks her over. And at, th- at this point, I think he's, he doesn't know what to think about the housemaid anymore. So he just like pulls her into the car with him and is like, all right, we both are getting out of here. Um, meanwhile, Rose, who is sitting upstairs eating uh, Fruit Loops, but she had the cereal and the milk separated. Did you, did you see that? It was so great. Rose like is this soft, lovable character the entire time. And like you really legit like her. Yeah. And then like when the switch flips and you know what's happening, she's like, sleekly dressed in this turtleneck and her <laughs> hair back in a ponytail and she's eating dry fruit loops and like sipping milk through a straw yeah. it's just like it's serial killer-esque she's just like yeah <laughs> creepy like meticulous and creepy yeah i thought i was almost like wow did she be, she just became like european or something so she hears a, the commotion she goes down with a gun she sees uh chris driving away with the housemaid she yells uh she's like oh that you know grandma and so now you know the housemaid is actually her grandma uh, in the housemaid's body, right? Like, cause the, her brain is has been the housemaid's brain has been replaced by grandma. So correct. Yeah. So uh, the housemaid wakes up in the car, and you know it's 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 actually Rose's grandma, and so she tries to get Chris off the road. They slam into a tree. The housemaid, I think, dies in that. Uh, Chris gets out, and meanwhile, the the groundskeeper is running after him. And uh, Rose yells, "Go get him, Grandpa!" So now you know that the the house, uh, the groundskeeper was also, you know, a lobotomized uh, person who they put the, the grandfather's brain into. So they start to fight. Uh, the The groundskeeper is about to kill him, but uh, Chris flashes his phone at him. Momentarily, the hip, the hypnosis wears off, and the groundskeeper, like you know, kind of wakes up from a fog. He turns around and kills or shoots Rose. And then he like kills himself because he doesn't want to go on living in you know this the sunken place where he was right. being held captive. Chris gets up. Uh, him and Rose kind of struggle, uh, and he like starts to choke Rose. Like he can tell he's angry because you know he's been betrayed by his girlfriend. Um, but then like he lets off. You see a cop car pulling up, and I think all of the audience at this part's like, oh my god, you know you got all these dead people. Um, you know how are the police going to interpret this? You got Chris like kind of choking his you know injured girlfriend here like what's gonna happen yeah right? he's on top of rose as the cop car pulls up yeah yeah but fortunately it's not a cop car it's a tsa car and it's his friend rod uh who's kind of been you know freaking out on the sidelines this whole time like why are you going out there or, like what's going on out there uh so they kind of get in the car and drive off uh rose dies uh and i think that's that's it right that's a wrap. And in the original ending, that really was a police car, and Chris got arrested. Yeah, yeah. Which I think I think is a little more realistic because yeah, if it's a police car, you're gonna come there, you're gonna see this whole like family wiped out. You have one survivor, and then you know, kind of playing on the the, the, the race card today. I mean, that's uh, that yeah. You you can see how how quickly that would go bad. 
He said like there were a lot of high profile police shootings like as we were getting closer to go time with the movie. So he kind of thought, you know what, like people are more aware of this. I'm going to back off of it a little bit. Yeah. And just having the cop car pull up is going to give everyone that moment anyway. Yeah. And still preserve the intended reaction. But then you you get the happy ending. Yeah, that that was a really effective strategy because yeah, you know you know that's like what's going through everyone's mind given every all the current events and everything. Uh, right. But yeah, to then kind of acknowledge that, but then also you know give it a a happier ending, I, th- I think helps land the movie, I guess. Yeah. Because um, yeah, you come out of it where he's kind of victorious. I mean, who knows what happens after? But yeah. There was also another ending considered where I think it shows Rod like coming around the neighborhood at a later date, like looking for Chris uh-huh. and he sees Chris somewhere and he like calls out to him and Chris says, I assure you, I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, kind of talking like he's been, uh, hypnotized, right. And lobotomized. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah. that would have been really creepy, yeah. but I love the ending the way it was. Yeah, I did too. I did too. It was, it was good. Uh, yeah. Kind of, kind of give you a feel good moment there. Cause, cause yeah, that, yeah. that, that lasts like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. It's pretty gory actually. Right. Uh, a little bit. It gets a little gory, especially cause you see some of the brain surgery. Yeah. The brain surgery, uh, him getting like gouged by like a deer head. Uh, yep. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, this was something I definitely didn't catch even on this fourth time until I like read the IMDB when he says we hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. Yeah. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. Meaning right. when my parents died, I couldn't bear to let my parents go. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, which, yeah. There's just it. so much of that throughout <laughs> the movie. And then, like, of yeah. course, everyone sizing him up at the party is, like, envisioning themselves either being him or being married to him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know, yeah, that's the kind of thing when you watch it again, you, like, realize actually what's going on. And it's just so much, like, more creepier and disturbing. Because cause I, yeah. I think the first time you watch it, you're kind of wondering, like, how much of this is normal? You know, I mean, we know, you know, uh, we, you know white people aren't the, the best. And, like, they're in this, like, kind of bubble probably where, where they are. And I think he was kind of taking on, the, like, the liberal uh, white group uh, that, you know, tries to be more progressive about these things. But kind of showing, like, you know, there are so, still some faults in, like, the day-to-day conversation. So you're kind of wondering how much of this is, like, normal versus, uh, you know, is something really wrong going on here? And then when you watch it the second time... It's just like, yeah, so much wrong and like so much foreshadowing happening, but it, it kind of goes on the radar the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we, we didn't mention this in the plot rundown, but one thing that Chris is kind of haunted by throughout the entire movie is that his backstory is that his mom died when he was like 10 or 11 or some young age. She yeah. got into a car accident on her way home from work and he was sitting there watching TV knowing that she should be home. Yeah. But like unable to act. And she died on the side of the road and it took her a while before she died. And yeah. if he had done something, he could have saved her. And it's kind of like the guilt that he's been uh, living with for a while. And you kind of see it play out in, in uh, certain parts of this movie. Um, yeah. So like they're on the drive to the parents' house and they hit a deer. Yeah. And he's got to go back and the deer's moaning and he is watching the deer die on the side of the road. And that's. Yeah symbolizing his mom to him and then i did not catch this until this time around in the ending they tie him to this chair in front of the tv like mm-hmm. that's the low point of the movie he's tied to this chair in front of the tv oh. unable to act and that's exactly his backstory he was there wow 
in front of the TV, unable to act to help his mom. And then the deer who kind of has come to symbolize his mom through that car accident at the beginning. Yeah. There's a deer head on the wall above the TV. Wow. But this time he's able to act and he ends up killing Rose's dad with the antlers of the deer head. Yeah. So like, he's kind of like conquered that guilt and conquered that memory and was able to act. Wow. That's, yeah, that's like a whole other layer. Like, yeah, his own personal background, what he was going through and like kind of how uh, he gets, he overcomes it, I guess, or yeah, gets in the position yeah, to act. Yeah, like he'll always live with that memory, but like this is his, yeah, it, as close as you can get as to like conquering that, what's yeah. been haunting him. Does any of that tie to how he left uh, Rose? Because when he drives away from Rose, I think she's still kind of alive, but yeah, I think she would probably bleed out eventually. But does any of yeah, that tie like, yeah. That's how Rose ends up dying, is presumably dying there by the side of the road. So he kind of lets Rose die the way his mom went, but yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I think that's why he goes back, part of the reason he goes back for Georgina, too, after he hits her with the car. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I was wondering why he didn't kill Rose, because like, th- there was that scene where he's like choking her, and you'd think like, he's going to end her, because he's obviously very upset, but then he ends up leaving her uh, to die. Uh, do you, do you, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if that was uh, having some sympathy and, and letting go or the opposite of sympathy and being like, I'd rather you die slow here yeah. on the side of the road like my mom. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's crazy how many layers this movie has to it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, throughout like so many different nods to, you know, uh, yeah, racism, slavery, and, and even today, like I, I know Jordan Peele was kind of setting out to talk about how like uh, white America has like embraced Black America to like get the best of them, but like still kind of imprisoning them, and then everything yep. like in the plot of this movie kind of like captures that mentality. Right. Yeah. And uh, you said that uh, Chris saved himself by plucking stuff out of the chair and stuffing it in his ears. Yeah. I think that was deliberate uh, by Jordan Peele. He saved himself by picking cotton out oh, of the chair. Oh wow! Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. There's just the more you look into this movie and the more you watch it, there's just more Easter eggs and yeah, hidden meanings throughout. And it's so great because like the even if you took all of the like hidden meanings and the deeper meanings and the layers out of this movie, it would still be such a fun watch. Yeah. And it's just it's <laughs> so great how much he packed into this movie. Like an hour yeah. and 44 minutes and he's just like really efficiently packed so much great stuff in there yeah it's surprising how smart of a movie it is i mean that's just not something you come across too often in the horror genre yeah yeah it's one of the smartest movies i've ever seen yeah yeah i mean i'm I'm with you i mean you're you're watching it four times and still like finding things i mean i i feel like this is one i could keep watching over and over again just to like yeah pick up on little things throughout yeah yeah this time through i definitely realized i'm pretty sure this is probably in my top five all-time favorites <laughs> yeah it's weird i i don't know what I, when i saw it in theaters uh I, like i'd only seen it once before and i i thought it was good and like you know effectively like you know captured the the race issue really well but for some reason it, it didn't like hit too high on like in the horror category like i didn't think it was too scary or uh you know it, it wasn't like i, I kind of thought it was more like thriller or whatever but yeah watching it again i, I kind of agree with you like i would definitely put this in like the top uh, a few horror films for sure. Yeah. It's a great uh, movie. So yeah, overall, I'm guessing what, like a one or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. How many, uh, how many bowls of, uh, fruit loops with milk on the side would you give this one? I would give this five bowls of fruit loops with milk on the side. Yeah. I'm, I'm there with you, man. 
This so is, you just can't make a better movie. It's it's amazing. I know. It's hard for me to find fault with this. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where you could. Yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> too well done, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, and is there is there talk of a sequel? I saw I saw some comments here and there, but I'm not sure if anything's been confirmed. Uh, I don't know. I, what I saw was pretty flaky. It was just like him saying he'd be open to it. Yeah. I mean, with how much money it made. He also said he wouldn't do it as a cash grab. He would only do it if he thought he could kind of outdo the original. Yeah, that would, that would be tough because, I mean, the, the, what's so great about the original, it's, it's such an original concept. I mean, I don't know how you'd sequel it with keeping the original, originality and the shock value of it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be hard. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I'm psyched for us, given you know how good this one is. I'm sure us is going to have a lot of Easter eggs in there for us, for sure. Yeah, I'm excited for us, too. Cool. And his new movie doesn't look bad either. <laughs> Good one. Good. One. All right. Uh, anything else to add here? That's it. Cool. All right. Well, that's all for our episode today, folks. Uh, we hope you enjoyed us uh, our discussion about Get Out. If you want to join the discussion, we encourage you to follow Horror Movie Club podcast on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter, or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. And be sure to check Facebook or Twitter out for next week's movie in case you want to watch it before the next episode. Our logo is by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you're planning on taking a trip with your significant other to visit their parents, make sure you bring an extra set of car keys and keep them on you at all times. Mm-hmm.